Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. This is Fantasy MLB Today. I am your host, Joe Orico, and you can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can go ahead and follow our show page, which is at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB, where this show will be posted throughout the season, as well as other fantasy-related content. And we will hit you with one more account today off the top, and that is my friend Doug Reed, who hosts the Today in Sports betting pod for Sports Ethos. You can find him at Doug, spelled the typical way, underscore R-E-I-D, and 34 at the end of that. He will be appearing on this show. I will be going on his show throughout the season, so that's a name to keep in mind. He shouted us out the other day, so I thought it was only right to return the favor. So we are going to go into day two of our mock draft today. We only ended up doing the first two rounds yesterday because I was not able to keep my arguments concise. So we'll try and do uh, shorter segments on each player today. Yesterday we were going a few minutes each player. I'm going to try and cap it at a minute per player today, roughly. Um, there may be more interesting players that go a little uh, a little longer or players that I like that I go a little bit longer on. But I'm going to try and stick to about a minute per player. So we'll get right into it. Um, we're, sharing, we're starting off with the third round today, and I have Matt Olson in that slot, uh, round three, pick one. And just to uh, clarify, uh, if you didn't see the show yesterday, this is not how I believe necessarily the drafts will go. This is how I believe that the end of the season value will look like for these players. So um, if you see Matt Olson 25 here and you don't agree with it or it doesn't line up with how you're seeing uh, his average draft pick, that's because it might not. I'm going off of how I think at the end of the year, uh, the total value of these players will have played out. So with that being said, Olsen is the first player I have in the third round. Fantastic season for him last year, which was the, it was the best season he'd had in his career. Uh, just about 40 home runs, 111 RBIs, and a 270 batting average. Fantastic. Uh, 28th total player, 28 average player. Different situation, but uh, better teammates will be around him this year. So I'm I'm confident with him in that 25 slot. Next, we will go to Paul Goldschmidt, the first baseman for the St. Louis Cardinals, who started off a bit slow last year, but ended up still with 31 homers, 100 RBIs, and a 294 batting average. And he does have speed out of the first base slot. I really like Paul Goldschmidt. He had maybe a slightly down year for what people um, people have become accustomed to with him, but no problem seeing him returning middle of the third round value for this year. I'm not going to go into so much on ADP in these videos because I've already talked about the average draft pick to death about a lot of these players, and we still have the individual position breakdown. So ADP is not going to be a massive point today. I may touch on it once or twice, but don't be looking for uh, don't be looking for that today. The next guy I have off the board is Liam Hendricks, who is the closer for the Chicago White Sox. And despite having uh, Craig Kimbrell come in last year and take away the odd save opportunity from him, he still ended up with 38 saves. Uh, he was the 16th ranked player overall in category leagues last year. And I see him being the second best closer in baseball. No problem seeing him returning this kind of value. Uh, I believe he had the lowest whip among uh, qualified relievers. It was 0.73, which is really like he just doesn't let people on base. So a uh, huge value in the whip category and also in the save category. I see him being a middle of the third round kind of guy. The next guy I have is Julio Urias, the starter for the Los Angeles Dodgers. I have him projected to finish the season in 28th. Now, despite the fact that he was the 13th ranked player last year, that was because he had a 20-win season, which is not really realistic. I mean, it could be with the Dodgers, with how good they are, but I don't expect him to come out and win 20 games again next year. And the ERA was fantastic. The whip was fantastic. Uh, everything was kind of a perfect storm for him last year. And he had just knocking on the door of first-round value. Not something I would really expect to see going forward. So not to the same extent, mind you. Um, I, I, I like him here in the middle of the third round for value. Uh, on a large part because of the wins that he will accumulate there. But also because of the low ERA and the low whip. I, I do see him taking a drop off this year to some degree, but I think in that uh, 28 to 30 range, I do like him for uh, to have that kind of value for this year. We're going to move on to Aaron Judge, 
who had a fantastic year last year. Again, I believe he started off kind of slow, but he ended up uh, with 39 homers, 98 driven in, and a 287 batting average. Really safe middle of the third round pick. Now, there was chatter uh, earlier this week about unvaccinated players on the Yankees, and I believe he is unvaccinated based on his comments, will not be able to cross the border into Toronto and uh, a couple other locations. So I think that those regulations will be lifted. I don't think it will end up impacting him, but it's something to keep an eye on in case there are uh, mandates that aren't lifted. He might end up missing some games in Toronto and I can't remember. There might, I think there might be one other location where he might miss a couple of games. But I think Toronto is the main worry uh, in terms of him missing games. But I think those regulations will be lifted as COVID continues to uh, to dissipate. So the next player I'll have. I'm trying to be a little bit more brief today, um, just because I've gone so long talking about players yesterday. So forgive me for being uh, kind of abrupt with some of these guys. Some of them just aren't as interesting. Some of them, there won't be as much to talk about. The next guy I find very interesting, though, and that's Tyler O'Neill, who did break out last year for the Cards. 34 homers, 80 driven in, 15 steals, and the 286 batting average. He can provide you with that across-the-board value. And he was the 42nd-ranked player last year. I expect him to take a bit of a jump this year, and I have him slotted in in the 30 spot. It seems totally, totally doable for him. He's really, really talented. And I think the steel number will go up as well this year. So keep an eye on that. Next, we have Kevin Gosman, number 31 on my list. He was 24th last year. Now, he did have kind of a miracle year last year compared to how his career has gone. Uh, career over, ERA is over four, well over four, I, I believe. But he has started to have a couple of like this year and he had a partial year with the Braves. I believe it was 2019 where he looked pretty good. He looked like he was starting to figure things out. And now he has a fantastic pitching coach, Pete Walker, despite his uh, poor judgment earlier this week, drinking and driving. He is still good at his job, and he should still be able to work with Gosman. Uh, There's been several pitchers over the last number of years, mainly Robbie Ray, that Pete has really been able to influence their production and really turn them around. And Gosman's already coming from a really good place. So I see him falling a few ranking slots from last year, but nothing major. I still do see uh, him having great value this year. Next guy we're going to talk about is Austin Riley, who is the third baseman for the Atlanta Braves, who can also play at first. Again, breakout year last year, 33 homers, 107 driven in, and a 303 batting average. And we touched on this a little bit um, on Friday, when we did the first base video, that Players who hit 30, 100, and 300 are pretty rare. From what I've looked at and the footage that I've watched and watching him play a bit last year and looking at what other fantasy show expert people are saying, they think he'll be about where he was last year, so I'll take them at their word for it. And I also, based on the eye test, he has a great swing. He looks like he's come into his own, so... I have him about where he was last year in the 32 slot. No problem drafting him there. Now there is, if you're drafting him to play first, there is a bit more value further down the board. If you plan on slotting him in at third, there's not quite as deep value at the position. So there are a couple things like that to keep your eye on, depending on where you're going to be slotting him in. But At the end of the day, I think 32nd is fairly reasonable to expect out of production from him, barring injury or any unforeseen circumstances. The next guy I have is Randy Rosarena, number 33 on my board. Fantastic season last year. You can only expect him to keep getting better and better after that breakout performance he had in the postseason a couple years ago. No reason to think that he can't do what he did again last year, which was 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases, which is quite a commodity in fantasy. But also hit uh, for a high average, knock in a lot of runs, and score a lot of runs himself. He had almost 100 runs scored last year. He was a 67th ranked player last year. I expect him to take uh, a fairly significant bump. And I think that'll come from the home run category. I think that's where his value will lie. Next guy I have going is Brian Reynolds, who had a bit of a strange year last year because no one had really expected much from him. But he ended up having a fantastic season. 24 homers, 90 driven in, and a 300 batting average is 
excellent. And I think there's a little bit of room to improve, honestly, because 24 home runs, he did have good pep in his bat. I think 24 is on the lower side of what he can do. Uh, I look for him to touch 30 this year. Being a switch hitter, there's no uh, matchups you can use against him. So he'll be in a, in a lot of their lineups. I would not be surprised to see 30 home runs, close to 100 RBIs, and a similar batting average to what he had last year. No problem uh, with those kind of projections. The next guy I have going is Cedric Mullins at 35. Uh, a miracle year for him last year, really, playing on that on that brutal, brutal Orioles team. 30 home runs and 30 steals is... I just talked about how great 20 and 20 is. If you have a guy going for 30 and 30, especially Mullins, who you no one drafted last year. He was a waiver wire guy, unless you're playing in a 25-team league, most likely. He was the, the best waiver pickup of the year last year, and I haven't projected to do about what he did last year. I think he'll probably be in that same home run and stolen base area. Now, you have to be a little bit cautious when a guy kind of comes on the scene like this out of nowhere. But I really think that he's a good ball player, and I think that he'll be playing every day out there. And I think maybe 30 home runs were asking a little bit much out of him. He's not the biggest, strongest guy. 30 steals and a 300 batting average and good run total, I fully there for. I fully see that happening. So I think he can do what he did last year and be in that uh, round, late third round kind of range. We will wrap up round three here with Zach Wheeler. And he, there was something. Uh, he had a shoulder, a bit of shoulder pain. And I think he's expected to miss the first week of the season or so. But um, I believe he was the second second player in Cy Young voting last year. He came second, sorry for the awkward phrasing there. So he's already coming off the year. He was the second best pitcher in baseball. That injury is a little bit of a worry. Shoulder for a pitcher obviously is a bit of a worry, which is why I have him uh, knocked down from where I, he was last year. Last year he was the 14th player on average. Crazy strikeout numbers, low whip, good wins. He'll be playing on a good Phillies team that should win more ball games than they did last year. And I think that I'm being kind of conservative having him at the end of the third round here. I think he could surpass that. I think this is a safe place just because the shoulder injuries kind of worry me. So that's why he's been bumped down a little bit. But I feel I feel confident with him. Let's move on to our fourth round. And Manny Machado is the first guy I have going uh, in that range. And now, again, I think that he'll probably end up the season about this range without looking at the ADP in front of me. I wanted to get away from average draft pick in the show and just look at where I think their value will lie at the end of the season. And I think Manny will do what he did about last year. Or do about what he did last year. Sorry, guys. Odd phrasing of words today so far. He had 28 home runs and 106 RBIs while also hitting for a high average and stealing 12 bases. So I think he'll probably do exactly what he did last year. Now... Losing Fernando Tatis Jr. for the first three months will not do anybody in that lineup any favors, except whoever does play shortstop, because they have a new job. Or I should say an elevated title now as a starter as opposed to a bench player. But for those guys who are mainstays in that lineup, Machado and your Hosmers and now Luke Voigt, it won't do them any favors missing out on those run and RBI potentials because of Tatis. All that being said, I still think 36 is a good range for him. 37, I have him here. But he was 36 last year. He's still young. He's on the right side of 30 still. And I think that he should be able to repeat what he did last year. Whit Merrifield is the next guy I have off the board. Who He is getting a little bit on in years. Uh, I believe he's 33, 34. And you start to see guys slow down stealing bases in that range. And there's another guy I'll talk about in a couple picks in the similar boat. But he stole 40 bags last year while hitting at a high rate and playing in 162 games. So there's really something to be said for someone who can play every single day. You don't have to worry about plugging your lineup. You just Every single day, it's no worry. He's going to go out there. He's probably going to steal a base. He's probably going to score a run for you. And he can play second and have, have uh, outfield eligibility. So you can slot him in in four different slots on the diamond. I really like that for... For fantasy, and I really like a crazy high steal number. I'm, I'm a sucker for steals. Now, I'm not a sucker for older guys, so that's kind of where I'm uh, in the middle a little bit here. I expect him to do what he did last year value-wise 
about the same, about 40 in that range. I have him at 38. I'm not overly worried about the steals because he hasn't shown us any signs of regression. And until he does, it's hard to just say he's not going to steal this year because he did it very well last year at the highest rate in the American League last year, I believe, other than one other person. So until he has really shown us that the speed's not there anymore, I think you have to trust him that it will be there. And with 40 steal potential, uh, I think that that's a good spot to have him in early in the fourth round here. Let's move on. Jordan Alvarez I have going next, who was 48th on the season last year. And I have him going 38th. And a, a large part of that is because he is now uh, an outfield eligible player as opposed to just a utility eligible player, which does give you some more flexibility and versatility in your lineup. Now he had 33 homers, 104 driven in, and a 277 average. Fantastic numbers. Everybody we've talked about in these first few rounds, fantastic numbers. Um, there are degrees to this thing. So, I mean, he doesn't steal bases, which is why he is where he is. If he stole bases then he would be a, probably a top two round guy. But I also have his value up because of being able to play the outfield. He, for most of last year, it was just utility slot. And now we have a bit more space to work with there. Let's move on to Starling Marte, who is the guy I mentioned earlier, who I was a little bit worried about maintaining the steal rate. He had 47 steals last year. Uh, it's It seemed like... It seemed like uh, Everything just went right for him, stealing bases last year. And uh, he's always been a base stealer, but to steal 47 now in your... I think he's the same age as Merrifield, 33, 34. It does lead to questions a little bit of how long is this going to keep going on for. So his 26th overall ranking from last year, I do have him down a touch. He doesn't have massive power potential, and he doesn't really drive guys in. He only had 55 runs last year. Now, it could be a product of his environment, sure. But historically, he's not a huge RBI guy. It, the main places of value are average and steals. I like him. I like him in this range. He'll probably not be available. He'll probably be jumped on by people in drafts a lot earlier than he should be. I think his value will be somewhere in this 40 range, and I wouldn't go crazy above that to take him. We're moving on to Salvador Perez and the first catcher that I have going off the board here at 41. Again, he'll go higher than this in some drafts because people will see he had 48 homers last year and drove in 121. I don't think he's going to do that again, so I have him knocked down 20-ish rankings. Now, the home runs, he'll hit... I think 30 is not unreasonable to think he'll hit 30 home runs and drive in close to 100. But that is the difference between those 20 spots there. He won't be um, where he was last year, which was late second round value. So uh, uh, don't don't jump ahead too much to draft, to draft Salvi. It's not really worth it, I don't think. The next guy we're going to talk about is Robbie Ray, who I have at 42. I really like Robbie. Um, going back to my slight Blue Jay bias, he was great for us last year. He won the Cy Young. But he has left that um, that marriage that he had with Pete Walker, who seemed to really know what he was doing in terms of fixing Robbie Ray's arm. Uh, I know I'm oversimplifying it, fixing his arm. It was obviously Robbie and Pete working in concert to fix whatever kinks he had had over the last few seasons. But he really had a, a miracle year last year, and now changing locations again, I'm not really confident that he will have the same level of value he'll still have a crazy high strikeout number and i think he'll win some games over there in seattle so i have him drop down to 42 he was the 25th player last year and I, even this i feel it might be a touch high for him but i'm fairly confident that he'll be in somewhere in the fourth round the next guy we're going to talk about is a guy who has potential to be a lot higher than this, even though I have him slotted in exactly where he was last year at 43. That is Freddie Peralta, the starting pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, who has has some relief pitcher experience. He was actually eligible as a reliever last year, which is not the case anymore. Only 10 wins, and we talked about this yesterday with Brandon Woodruff. Um, there was not crazy amounts of run support. Despite them winning 95 games in Milwaukee, they're elite starters. They had two starters whose ERA was under... Actually, three starters whose ERA was under three. 
and two of them, their win totals were 10 and 9. So it's really kind of strange. And I know down the stretch they were careful with Freddie. He only threw 144 innings because they were worried about him reaching an innings pitch mark that he'd never hit before. So maybe this year we're a little bit more open to using him at 160 innings, 170 innings as opposed to 144. Um, there's a couple of variables on either side of the equation, so I've just left him in the 43rd spot. I think that that's I think that that's a reasonable location for him, expecting uh, a reasonable area to expect him to be in at the end of the season. We are going to move on to Jorge Polanco, who is the middle infielder for the Minnesota Twins. He has middle infield eligibility, and he had a breakout year last year with 33 homers, 98 driven in. 11 steals and a 270 average with guys who don't have so much of a proven track record like this. You kind of have to be careful. I do think that he'll still be okay. And that's why I have him in the same range, but he is definitely in the draft with caution bucket that I don't have quite the same level of faith as I do in some other middle infielders going off the board earlier in the draft. I'm not going to spend too much time on him. Let's move on to Jose Altuve who. I'm not the largest fan of anymore. I used to love Jose. And now it feels it feels hard to love to love him. Same same thing with Alex Bregman. I used to really like him, but now it feels it feels tough. But we'll we'll get into him. He was 37th last year on a total ranking basis. Now he is 45th in my rankings. Uh you know, early in his career, these massive home run numbers we didn't think were sustainable because he's such a little fella. But he hit 31 last year, and he's continued to have power throughout his career. So he will hit you the home runs. He will drive in probably 80 runs. I think that's fair to say. One thing with him is that the steals have continued to drop off from where he was stealing in the 40s. And he might have even touched 50 steals one year early in his career. He had five last year, and if he had zero this year, I wouldn't be surprised. Same thing happened with Carlos Correa last year on the Astros. He's never a massive stealer like Altuve was, but he just went down to zero last year. So maybe it's something to do with Dusty Baker. I'm not sure. Maybe something to do with the front office or maybe just the players themselves. But those players on the Astros haven't really been stealing as much these last couple seasons. So I wouldn't really draft him with the expectation of having any steals out of him. Oh, other than that, a solid draft pick uh, somewhere in your fourth, fifth round. And I think you'll probably be around that 45 range. Next guy I have is Tim Anderson, who was the 50th ranked player last year. I have him at 46. 17 homers, 18 stolen, a 310 average. Those are the areas of value. Um, the home runs from the shortstop, which are not crazy high, but from a shortstop, they're not typically crazy high anywhere. The 18 steals is nice. The 310 batting average is really nice. I think he'll fit somewhere into the end of that fourth round range, no problem. I really like Tim Anderson. He is a fantastic baseball player, and he's a consistent top five-round guy every year in fantasy. No worries. No worries uh, having him in that range. We're going to have a couple of Guardian players now. It still feels weird to say Guardians, but over the year, I'm sure we'll get used to it and it will be normal. I have Emmanuel Classe. I'm not, I can't remember now if it's Klaus or Classe. It's been so long since I've heard his name said on a broadcast. Uh, fantastic season last year. 129 ERA. 24 saves, 74 strikeouts over 69 innings, so not a crazy high strikeout number. But across the board, he's going to give you that value, especially in the save category. I think he'll bump it up a little bit this year. I think the strikeout numbers will go up. The ERA is about as good as you're going to hope for at 129. Um, But I think the saves and the strikeouts should go up. There was uh, a bit of a platoon going on earlier in the year last year with James Karinchak, from what I remember, and then they eventually just gave the reins to Klaus, Klaus A. So this year he should have the reins the entire season as the closer, and he should have more save opportunities as well as strikeout opportunities. So end of the fourth round, again, I like it. We'll go to another Guardian player, and that's Shane Bieber. And I have him uh, maybe a little bit lower than a lot of people would here. I have him in my 48th slot. There was something about him last year that I just didn't have. I don't know. There was something while watching him that made me take him down from where I had him the previous year. The previous season, I personally used, I believe, the 13th overall pick on him last year in one of my drafts in a category league. So I was very high on him. He was very good to start the year. 
he did miss quite a bit of time with injury. He only pitched 96 innings. So that is something to uh, worry about a little bit. Not crazy worry because he's never, uh, he's not one of those injury prone guys necessarily. But the ERA when he was out there was 317, which is good. It's not what it was the year before that he had, which I believe, I believe it was 150, 160 is the ERA the year before. So that was kind of the Cy Young season for him was kind of a blip perhaps. And it's not something we can fully expect going forward. We can expect massive strikeout numbers, not going to be a lot of wins on that team. So that's why I have him move down where I do to the end of the fourth round. I still think he's going to be a great value, but I'd be, I'd be cautious drafting him there. I'd be cautious drafting him at all, really, but I, uh, I'm not I'm not massively big on Bieber like I have been in in uh, in a couple of years past specifically last year so uh, draft with caution if you're if you're gonna take Shane we'll move on to George Springer who I have starting off my fifth round here the 49th overall player and I think with a full season in that lineup he can be ridiculous uh, he was actually the 49th player on an average basis on a per game basis last year and. Because of the injuries, he was 315th on a total value ranking, even though he only had less than 300 at-bats. Uh, the 22 home runs, he showed a lot of power at the top of that Blue Jays lineup. And I think a main category that's going to be to watch for him this year is runs. He had 59 runs last year, and I know he started the year injured, and then he came back, and he missed some more time, and he was in the middle of the lineup. He should be leading off every single game he plays this year for the Jays. Maybe they throw Bo Bichette in there. Uh, switch it around a little bit, but I expect it to be George Springer leading off every single game he plays. Those run that run total should be at least a hundred, if not a hundred and ten or more. I really like George. I again, it's the Toronto bias. There's no, there's no other reason than the fact that I'm from Toronto and he plays for the Blue Jays. I should hate him because of the Astros, because I don't really care for the other Astros players who were on that 2017 team. But it is the Torontonian poking out in me. I really like George. I think he has a really solid game. Fantasy-wise, he doesn't really steal many bases, but he'll still steal a couple. That's pretty much the only hole there. I really like George. I really like him, and I think he'll be somewhere uh, in the fifth-round value range this year. Next, we have Luis Robert. And I've had some uh, back and forth on whether it's Robert or Robert. I'm pretty sure it's Robert. I'm pretty sure whenever it's been referred to on White Sox broadcasts, and you figure those guys know how to pronounce the name of one of their up-and-coming stars, you figure they're right about that, and it's Robert. So we'll call him Luis Robert, a guy who missed a lot of time last year, only 275 at-bats. But when he played, he batted 338. He had 13 home runs. He stole six bases. There is five category potential in him for sure. He's going off the board in the second round. I'm a little bit cautious to take him that high just because, again, I'm someone who I've, I've beat this horse to death. I like if you've stayed healthy. I like if you can steal bases. I like if you can hit home runs. So he does hit a couple of those. He does hit a couple of those um, categories for you. But there is also the fact that he's young. He's never really proven it over a full season. <sighs> that average is really fantastic, 340. Like I, That's why I have him drop down here is mostly because uh, I'd like to see him prove it over a longer stretch of games. He could, he, he could very easily beat this 50 ranking I have. I don't see him beating his current average draft pick, which is about 18 at the moment, 19. But I think he'll be somewhere in the fifth round range. That's that's my take on it. I think about 50 somewhere. We'll move on to Trevor's story. And we'll finish up um, the top 72 picks today. I'll do 72 picks today. We'll hit you with a bit of a longer show. We're currently at 51, so we will get the horse moving a little bit faster. Trevor's story, he was the 87th ranked player last year. He needs to get his batting average back up higher than it was, which is 250. He's been a 280 kind of level guy for his career. Uh, the home runs and the steals are great. That will be a massive part of his value. And he's on uh, a Red Sox team that should help him out with RBIs and runs. Granted, the home runs, we have to be a little bit careful about what we expect leaving Coors Field. 
But for right-handed batters at Fenway, it's not a long way over the monster as long as you can elevate, uh, as long as you can elevate your hits. You should be able to hit some over the monster, and he will definitely be able to hit some over the monster. Twenty-four last year, and he played most of the year. He had five hundred twenty-six at bats. Same kind of production, I'm thinking, home run wise. Twenty-four is probably about where he's going to be. Let's move on to the guy who will be his double play partner. Assuming the Red Sox do what we expect them to do. Xander Bogarts is the guy I have next at 52. I have him uh, 52. He was 68 last year. So I see him moving up a little bit. Uh, It was the home runs, really, that weren't crazy high. I think he can get the home run number higher than 23, and he can drive in more than 79. That's where I see him gaining back some of that value. I I really like the two of them here in this kind of fifth round range. Now, they'll probably be taken higher. Specifically, Story will be taken higher. I wouldn't jump too much on them. I like them in this range here today. Um, And I say today because stuff changes in fantasy. Could be tomorrow and probably not by tomorrow, but probably within a couple weeks there will be new information and we'll have seen a couple of games maybe that we won't be thrilled with for whoever. And these rankings will all move. This is all, these are all very fluid numbers. So despite the fact that I'm going to stand by them as much as I can, there will be some, there will be some movement here. Let's move on to Lucas Giolito. I really like Lucas. The ERA was a little high last year for someone who's considered to be elite. Like he is 353. Good strikeout numbers. Decently low whip. Uh, he was the 90th total player last year, 30th on average. So I've come close to splitting the difference here. I have him at 53. I like him in that range. Uh, let's try and be a little bit more concise here going forward. I don't think I've done a better job of that today than I did yesterday, uh, keeping the arguments short and sweet. But as I say that, every time I explain this, it does take up a few more seconds. So I will shut up with that and we'll move on to Wander Franco who I have in the 54th slot. I really like Franco. Um, People are going to jump really high to draft him this year, and I wouldn't use a crazy high draft pick on him. Again, untapped potential. We don't know how good he could be. He can be fantastic. And he was fantastic. He scored 53 runs and only 281 at-bats, which is really high. Like, if you have a typical, like, 600 at-bat season, what you expect from a leadoff hitter, uh, someone who's going to be high in the lineup, and you can expect more than 100 runs from him for his pace from last year, which is his pace as a 20-year-old, while also having good power. He didn't really show speed last year, but he does have better speed than he showed. He only stole two bases. I really like Wander. I think fifth round here really makes sense. The next two guys I'm going to talk about are guys who are really hard to predict. They're really uh, injury-prone guys in the past. And we'll talk about them together. Byron Buxton and Alberto Mondesi. I have I have Mondesi at 55 and Buxton at 56. Uh, if they can stay healthy and they fall in drafts like they have for the last few years, then they're league winners. Mondesi, just for some context, 126 at-bats last year and he had 15 steals. He is, And he had six home runs and 126 at-bats. Not crazy high, but for a middle infield kind of player, like he can he can win you leagues. He can legitimately win you leagues. I think that if he stays healthy, which has been a massive problem in his career, that power speed potential, like the 30-30 is is a floor for him if he stays healthy for a whole season. A 30 home run, 30 steal season, totally, totally doable. Byron Buxton is another one who had a fantastic start to his year last year. Missed several months, came back, wasn't quite the same. Still ended up with 19 homers and 9 steals and 235 at-bats. I think, I'm kind of being optimistic with my rankings here, but I think that they'll be successful this year. I think that they'll stay on the field. Putting that positive vibe out there. I think they'll stay on the field. I think that they'll play the majority of their season. And I think that they'll be somewhere in this fifth-round range. Now, if Mondesi stays healthy for the entire year, if either of them stays healthy for the entire year, they can easily surpass this range. Mondesi could be literally a first-round value. He could he could easily be that. It's just a matter of staying on the field. Let's move on to Eloy Jimenez, another guy who was hurt last year. 
another guy who I'm throwing the positive vibe out there for, who I'm seeing, and I'm thinking maybe we won't uh, be injury prone this year, please. Maybe we will just, you know, <laughs> stay on the field. And I know that's not fair. Jimenez isn't really injury prone. He's coming off of that injury from last year. What I'm saying more applies to Mondesi and to Byron Buxton. Those guys have just been injury prone their entire careers. Eloy is going off an injury last year. But if he can come back and play the entire season, massive home run potential. Massive home run potential. He homered about once every 20 at-bats last year. I think he can even raise that up a little bit. That was coming back off an injury. I'm I'm liking him uh, at the end of the fifth here in this range. Let's move on to Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara, Alcantara. Alcantara, I think. It's another one that you can kind of go either way. Who He had a couple of rough outings last year, for sure. But he was very consistent. Not a massive strikeout guy. And he was playing on the poor Marlins. So only nine wins. But... Uh, very solid value. He is being drafted a lot higher this year than he was last year. I really like him, again, in this kind of fifth round, uh, end of the fifth round range for value. I think that's where he'll be throughout the season. Next, we have Corey Seager. I think, again, he just needs to stay healthy. He needs to stay on the field the whole year, and he can be a guy who is a massive asset to you in home runs, RBIs, and batting average. Not so much for your steals. And even for your runs, you know, he should be able to give you some good uh, some good run production at the top of that Texas order. Leaving Los Angeles is kind of not great for your fantasy value, sure. That team is... I can't even imagine if he was still on that team, what that lineup would look like. It's ridiculous to think about. I, I guess Chris Taylor would have to come off the bench. Anyway... 16 home runs in 357 and 353 RBI. Jesus, listen to me. I can't get my words straight. 353 at bats. Sorry about that for those 16 home runs. So, not a massive power hitter, but again, he's missed time last year. A lot of these guys, their road to value is simply health. Especially in this round here. This is kind of like the the fifth round for me is kind of I did do this on purpose, but a lot of guys whose value will depend on their health. Springer, Robert, um, Trevor Story to a lesser extent, Mondesi, Buxton, Jimenez, Seeger. There's a lot of guys in this round inadvertently who need to stay healthy to have value. And I mean, everybody needs to stay healthy to have value. These guys in particular need to stay healthy to have value because they have missed quite a bit of time. Now, Corey, last thought is... Um, I, I really like him. I, I just really like him. There's he, He's a likable baseball player with a great swing. I, I like him in this range. I think uh, seeing him, he was the 68th player on average last year. You can't really go on totals for last year because of his injuries. But he can be in that same kind of range, I think, in that fifth, sixth round range. So 59 feels right for Corey. I've been saying that for a lot of guys that it feels right. And I mean, these are my rankings, so it will feel right to me. Uh, let me know what you guys think um, on Twitter or in the review section of the podcast show uh, page on iTunes or Spotify, wherever. Let me know if you agree with my takes or not. I'm really curious as to what the public thinks in terms of my value. Let's move on. Let's move on. Nolan Arenado is the next guy I have going off the board. He hit 34 homers and 105 driven in last year. And despite that, was the 81st ranked player. And that's because he had a low batting average of 255. He gets that batting average up to where we know he can get it in the 270s, 280s. And this value of 60 should be a piece of cake for him. That's the end of the fifth round. Let's do one more round for today. We'll get up to pick 72. Um... Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. We've already gone a bit longer than we usually do today. And as the show um, gets closer to the start of the regular season, the the shows will get a bit longer as we go through uh, game recaps and things like that. Sorry, guys. Uh, I know I've I've paused a lot today to talk about uh, random stuff like that in the middle. So one thing I will work on going forward is uh, maintaining focus. (laughs) 
I do struggle a little bit with losing focus, so forgive me on that front. Cattell Marte is the guy I have going off the board at the top of the sixth round here, the 61st pick. One really cool thing about him off the top is that he can play second and the outfield, like Whit Merrifield. Really, uh, really valuable to have a guy who can play either in the infield or the outfield like that. Now, again, he missed some time last year, Marte, to carry over the theme from the previous round. But he had 14 home runs and 50 driven in while batting 318. He is capable, if staying, if he stays healthy, of giving you tremendous, tremendous production throughout the season. So I think uh, slotting him in here at the top of the sixth round is conservatively where he will most likely end up. He could he could beat that. If he stays healthy the whole year, Marte could be a top three or four round guy. But I, I feel comfortable having him at 61 here. The next guy I have, and he may be a touch high to some people, is JT Real Muto. I think having him at 62 makes sense. I think, um, you know, catchers are really tricky, right? So um, there's not a lot of value in this top range with catchers. I touched on it on my show from last Thursday uh, when I broke down the catcher position. If you're inside this range and you're dead set on you need to get your catcher slot filled in, then I really like Real Muto. Um, just because of that steal potential, he can hit home runs, and he's batting in a better lineup than he uh, has in the past. This is probably going to be the best lineup he's batted in in his career, so we can look for probably more of a breakout year than what we might have expected um, going back. Just a couple more guys to get through for today. We are on to number 64, and that is Max Freed, the starter for the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Sky-high potential for Max. Still, um, there's been a couple of problems uh, staying healthy in the past, but he has really, really high potential. He won 14 games last year, which I know is, we talk about wins as a pitching stat, it kind of, I don't feel great about it because I know I know this is fantasy, but it just doesn't feel. Um, when you see Brandon Woodruff had nine wins, it just it kind of makes you think does this stat even really matter? But it, it does for fantasy purposes. So he will win games on a good Atlanta team. He'll have a good ERA. He's not a crazy strikeout guy, but uh, from the fifty eighth ranked total player last year. And the 78th on average, I have him at 64 here, and I feel like that's about right for his value for this year. Jose Abreu is the next guy we'll talk about at pick 65. He was the 61st ranked player last year, and he had 30 homers, 117 driven in, and a 261 batting average, which is a little bit low for him. I'm projecting him to have about the same year he had last year. I think he can get the batting average up, though. If he if he dedicates himself to that, he, you know, in the past he was, uh, I don't have the number in front of me. But I believe up until last year, in his time playing in the major leagues, I believe he was like a 280 hitter. So if he can get that up 20 points, uh, that, that would probably bring him from where he was last year into the 50s somewhere. Now, the reason I have him in the 60s is because he's not young. He came... To the majors when he was like 27 he's been there about eight years now and he is without having it in front of me pardon me i believe he's 35 years old 34 years old 35 years old so we have to expect some possible decline the way i see it is his rbis will probably be about the same because that's what he's always been a massive run producer the home runs may drop as he gets older a little bit so I think he'll probably have the same kind of value he did last year, especially if uh, Robert and Jimenez stay healthy and throw a whole year in that lineup with him. Sure, that will do nothing but help him. Um, and I think he's a decent middle-round value first-base guy, but he's not somebody I'm jumping crazy high to draft this year, as evidenced by the place that I have him here. The next guy I have is Aaron Nola, who, again, may be... Uh, some people may think... It's too low. I would direct them to his 4.63 ERA from a year ago. Uh, the strikeouts are very high. The wins will probably be better too. 
playing on Philly. They're going to be pretty good this year. They're supposed to be pretty good this year. Who really knows? But they look like they're going to be pretty good this year. So those nine wins, you can probably project for 12 or 13 instead of nine. No problem. The ERA was massively concerning last year. But if he's able to get that down, then there is there is an avenue for top 30-ish production from him. So no worries there. No, no worries in that range. The ERA was bad, but... Anyway, next we'll move on to the opening day starter for the San Francisco Giants. Just recently been announced, and that will be Logan Webb. And he had a fantastic year last year. 303 ERA, 11 wins, 158 Ks, over 148 innings. So he's striking out more than one guy per inning. People really like him. People think that this is going to be a massive breakout year for him. And so I like him in this 67 range. I think that's probably where he'll roughly end up. Maybe he surpasses it, but that feels about right to me. Next guy I have is Jonathan India, who was the 86th ranked player last year. I have him at 68. And now despite the team getting worse, he'll have another year to get himself acclimated to the major leagues and build off of what was a fantastic rookie season. He batted 270 with 21 homers and 12 steals. Great value there for him especially playing on not a great team. He'll be one of the first Reds taken. He'll be the first Reds batter taken, that much I'm sure of. And he'll be in the middle of that lineup. So I think he'll probably surpass what he did last year a touch. Now he has lost Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos. So some of the help in that lineup is no longer there. But I think um, as he gets a year older, a year more mature, he should be able to produce at a similar level to last year. And I think he'll eventually exceed it a little bit. Now we'll talk about his teammate, Luis Castillo, who they announced yesterday he was expected to start the season on the IL. Not great. Not at all great. Castillo really shot himself in the foot to start the year last year with some really hard horrible starts like he was horrible ended up with a 398 era by the grace of god because he did turn it around now i think this is a fairly reasonable range for him people thought last year i read a couple of articles that said he was going to be they projected him excuse me to be the cy young award winner in the national league I was kind of on board with it last year. I was kind of thinking he was going to break out. I saw him pitch in the playoffs the year before, or in the wild card, whatever whatever it was, and I was impressed by him. So I drafted him pretty high last year, and I got burned on it. I'm not going to be doing that again this year, but I think in this kind of range around pick 70, I think that's probably about reasonable for him. A couple more guys we'll touch on for today. We'll talk about J.D. Martinez, who had a turnaround year last year. 28 homers, 100 driven in, and a 286 batting average is good for anybody, really. But especially for a guy who is his age, who had kind of been declining, and people were thinking he was kind of done. So batting in that Red Sox lineup, I think that he could do about what he did last year. I haven't bumped down about 15 or so rankings just because I'm not sure with his age if he'll be able to keep it up. But I do like I do like JD in this sixth round area. Two more guys we will touch on today. The first one is Lance Lynn, who he was the 51st ranked player last year, and he had fantastic numbers across the board. If he hadn't got hurt, then he probably would have won the Cy Young. I think that's I think that's fair to say. If he hadn't got hurt and he had kept up his consistency that he had, he would have had the lowest ERA. And I think that he would have won the Cy Young. He was great. He has had a Great second half of his career. Somewhere in the sixth round here feels about okay. Now, once a pitcher hits a certain age, you start to worry a little bit, especially when they're not massively successful over their career. But I like Lance enough that I think he'll be somewhere in this range. The last player of the day, and thank you guys who have listened to the entirety of the show today because we have put out a bit of a longer one. The last player is Javier Baez who had a good year last year. He strikes out a hell of a lot. That's the thing with Javi Baez. So the batting average is 265. It's not crazy high, but he does hit home runs. He does steal bases. He is batting 
like I touched on last week, in one of the more pitcher-friendly parks in baseball. So his home run total may go down from 31. You might want to forecast somewhere in the low 20s for home runs as opposed to 31. But Javi will be a valuable player. Uh, just I don't know that he'll justify somewhere in the top four or five rounds. I think at the end of round six here, I have him as the last pick of round six in my projections. So I think he'll be around pick 72. That feels, that feels, and again, I keep saying it feels right. These are my projections. Of course, they feel right to me. Let me know how they feel to you guys. If you think I'm crazy, if you think I'm a fool, if you agree with me, if you like the show, whatever the case may be, hit us on Twitter. You can find me at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. And you can follow the Ethos Fantasy BB Twitter account. That's E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB, where this show will be posted throughout the season. And we're hoping for a lot more fantasy-related content as the year goes on, maybe some articles, things like that. Uh, let me know. Let me let me know what you guys want to see out of this page on Twitter and or even in the comments of the show. And we will try and listen to the suggestions as well as we can and give you guys what you want to hear. So I thank all of you for listening today. Uh, we will get back to our position-by-position breakdown tomorrow. We will get back to second base. And we are about 10 days away from opening day now. So everybody, I hope, is really excited for baseball for opening day. And I hope you guys all have a fantastic Tuesday. So everybody, thank you. And take care.